Hi, my name is David Siegler and welcome to my podcast. Hi everybody out there in deal sourcing and packaging land, all you professional packagers packaging up property for property investors. (laughs) It's great to have you with me on this uh, current brand new episode of the Property Sourcing Podcast and I've got a really hot topic to share with you today. I have and there's a buzz, a buzz in the community about it. People want to know how to do it and I'm going to share what I know and what I do. Now uh, we are talking about serviced accommodation serviced accommodation the holiday lets short-term letting whatever it is that you call it that is what we are talking about in this episode but um i want you to know that this is i'm not picking on serviced accommodation particularly uh the thing is packages have to know how to package every single strategy you do and you can't learn it on day one you can't because it's too much information So I'm going to do a series of podcast episodes where I'm talking about the key strategies that we can package today. So I'm going to deal deep dive into buy-to-lets, into flips, into houses of multiple occupation, what you need to do to keep everyone straight and legal and happy, commercial conversions. I'm going to touch on that for those of you who want to do big deals and get big sourcing fees. I'm going to help you with that. But I'm starting today with serviced accommodation because I had messages about it during the week and uh, I've been out on the property forums during the week and there is an interest in it. So I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about sourcing for serviced accommodation opportunities and placing them with investors. Now, this is not the same as building a serviced accommodation business for yourself, right? That's a different podcast episode, maybe a different podcast series, but we're going to deep dive into what it is that you need to provide as a deal sourcer to keep your investors safe and happy and legal and just getting a great cash flowing investment because why why would investors be interested in operating serviced accommodation in their property investments well it's because obviously you get increased income i nearly said rent roll but you can't really call it rent roll because we haven't got tenants in sa units serviced accommodation units i'm going to call them sa going forward we've got guests so i can't technically call it rent it's income Um, So what everyone wants is a bigger return on their money, right? So that's where service accommodation comes in because you can take a single let house without bashing walls about and making big changes and putting in ensuite bedrooms and bathrooms like uh, you have to do in a house of multiple occupation, an HMO, if you're going to rev up the income in in an HMO. What you can do is take a single let house and... um, you're going to need to improve the quality of the house uh, from a point of view of its decor, of its uh, fixtures and fittings, its furniture. So what am I talking about there? You're going you're gonna to be putting in, instead of 399 carpet, if there's anyone out there still using 399 carpet with foam back, right? You're going to be putting in 1399 carpet uh, with underlay, with gripper rods, really nice bouncy ones that you... <laughs> can walk on and uh, it feels like you're floating on a sort of mushroomy cloud. That's the sort of finishes that you need. So I'm going to start at the tops, speaking as a sourcer, knowing that my investors want increased returns on their money, right? Knowing that they want to buy property, 
I'm not going to deal with rent to rent serviced accommodation. I'll touch on it later, but I'm not going to deep dive into that because I work with cash-based investors. And when I say cash-based investors, I also mean investors who want to work with mortgages. We're going to talk about finance during the course of this podcast. Um, And I want to work with investors who want to buy property for their legacy. So they want to buy property, hold property, Over time, the capital uh, value of the property will grow and will increase their wealth. So that's the angle I'm coming at this from. So how can I help my investors? What's the safest, straightest, legalist, most effective way that they can take advantage of the returns of service accommodation uh, without getting all the hassles that go with it? And we'll touch on the hassles later. So in this podcast episode, I am going to deal with what you should buy, how you should buy it, insurance, finance, management, management is a, it's going to kill you, you've got to be careful with management, planning, I'm going to talk about the nuclear button of capital allowances, I'm going to talk about the returns, I'm going to talk about business rates, I'm going to talk about a case study that is actually proceeding as we speak through legals and it's going to be a service accommodation unit. So I've got quite a lot to get through, I'm going to share that all with you in the next half hour or so. So let's make a shot. Start. Number one, top of the shop. What do I look for for my investors? And number one is I work with houses, not flats, not apartments. As a sourcer, I have found it too difficult to source apartments that A, will give you the returns and B, will keep you straight and legal and there are legal issues that you need to watch out for if you are sourcing for an investor because you've got to serve your investor and put them into a good deal okay so why do i do houses and not flats because houses are generally freehold uh in the north of england you can get houses that are technically leasehold but they're not like flats leaseholds they are virtual freeholds so we're going to deal with freehold or virtual freehold why because if you look at apartments flats Um, that are subject to leases, and I've looked at a lot of them. I've actually looked at 33 leases. I've read through 33 leases of prospective opportunities uh, in existing um, apartment blocks for serviced accommodation apartments, and what I've found is the leases do not permit you to do short-term lettings. So the clauses when you find it in the lease say something like, uh, to be let, permitted use, to be let on a short, short hold basis, no less than six months. And it is silent generally on service accommodation usage or short letting use. And some friends in the industry say that's okay. They didn't mention it. So that means they're not saying we can't do it. So we can do it. Well, I'm not so sure. It's not been tested in law. I wouldn't do it because I worry about serving my investors. I don't want to give them a headache. Okay, so I keep away from apartments generally. Uh, The other issue with apartments is you've got other owner occupiers in the block of flats. This is going to cause management issues because you're going to have guests turning up all in odd hours. Even if they say they're going to turn up at six o'clock in the evening, a lot of guests don't. A lot of them turn up 11 o'clock at night. Then they've got to find the keys. Then they've got to get access. Then they've got to bash their way up the corridors, through the lifts, all that stuff to get to the apartments. Um, other owner-occupiers sitting in with their cup of cocoa, watching the TV, are going to get disturbed. That's before 
your uh, guests have even got into the apartment. And uh, depending on how they behave in the apartment, um, there is an issue. I spoke to a very experienced service accommodation provider um, who <laughs> just yesterday evening I spoke to him. And he said his latest thing was he had one of the other occupiers ring him because they know who he is by now, right? Um, from one of the other flats in the building, not the flats that he was managing as an SA unit, uh, to say that they could smell weed. They could smell weed being smoked somewhere and they thought it was coming from the flat. So he rang the guests in the flat and said, are oh, you smoking weed? You've got to stop. And they said, no, we're not smoking weed. It's not us come from one of the others. One of the others. So uh, he called back the only occupier to say, you know, he dealt with it as much as he could and he's trying. <laughs> and, uh, the only occupier told uh, my pal that, uh, no, it was definitely the guests in the flat because they are now in the corridors spreading, uh, spraying cans of deodorant around to hide the smell that's so you know you're going to get into this sort of thing if you're managing SA apartments that's the kind of thing that happens that's pretty harmless there's more serious stuff so you've got other owner occupiers in the building to worry about uh, you've got insurance generally apartment blocks have a block insurance so you can probably go to the managing agents of the block not the individual apartments. Generally, there are managing agents of a block of apartments and try and work something out with them, but it's hard and their instinct is to say no and then work backwards from there. So it's hard. So I would say do not work with apartments. The only exception is if you find a source that's got freehold, a freehold building with uh, all the apartments on one title and the owner of the freehold building has complete control over that building and is aware of what you're doing that would be totally cool if you're working with a developer who's developing new build SA units that's totally cool because he's got control of the leases before the leases are written and all he needs to do is get his lawyers to add a little sentence into uh, the usage of the apartment which says uh, you can use it for an AST use of six months or more, and another sentence says, or for short-term lettings, right, or for holiday lets, or whatever the legalese is to cover that, okay? But you know what? I like an easy life. I like it simple. I like to keep it simple. So we source houses. That is what we do. Houses or freehold buildings that have flats on one title. That's the easiest way to do it. Let's move on. What else do you have to do to make sure that you're serving your investors and keeping them safe? Insurance. Insurance is vital. The thing about insurance is nobody cares about insurance until there's a problem. And when there's a problem, it's a big problem. Okay, so if you're not going to have a problem, <laughs> you might as well not have the insurance. But that's why we have insurance in case there's a problem. And uh, problems have happened problems have happened the incorrect in insurance um can hurt people so um there have been instances where in SA units really bad accidents have happened over a period of time you can google flat in brighton SA flat in by airbnb flat in brighton it's on uh bbc news uh it goes back a couple of years now but they're still sorting out the mess because what happened was an owner of a flat in a building of other flats let out their flat on an airbnb basis and uh they had young people in had a party the young people went out on the balcony the balcony collapsed so they had three young people in the basement 
and the fourth one didn't go in the basement, he impaled himself on the railings on the way down to the basement. The problem with that is, first of all, people got hurt. But secondly, uh, no one would pick up the bill. No one would pick up the responsibility because the owner appeared to have the wrong lending, right? He wasn't, he didn't have, he was outside the terms and conditions of his lending. He had a residential mortgage or a buy-to-let mortgage. Uh, he was uh, breaching the terms of his lease in the building, wasn't allowed to do short-term lets according to his lease. That means that the block insurance was vitiated, the block insurance wouldn't pay out, Airbnb wouldn't pay out, the owner couldn't pay out because he didn't have the money. Uh, there's a huge big court case bubbling away, someone's going to finish up with a lot of trouble. Right, what's the point of me telling you that? The point of me telling you that is you've got to look after your investors here and you've got to look after yourself. Because if something like that happens as the saucer, you're going to get dragged into it, back into it, you are. So... Let Listen to Dave, keep yourself safe. Do houses, right? And make sure you've got the right insurance. You have a number of insurance providers who will give you the right insurance to make sure you're fully covered for the use that you're using the building, okay? So the investors now bought the house and I'm working with cash investors. So I'm going to talk about a cash purchase up front uh, I'm going to swerve off into mortgages I am right but uh, I choose to work with experienced investors who have got cash because uh, I can serve them better it's as simple as that and make sure I get paid so if they're buying cash do they have to leave all their cash in if we're using it for service accommodation Two years ago, I probably would have said to you yes now I know these are supposed to be evergreen these podcast episodes but you know the world changes as you move on so I'm going to have to revise this as I go forward sitting here today uh in right at the end of February 2019 there are lenders out there who will lend probably up to 75 percent of the purchase price based on the postcode and the investors experienced in service accommodation so they're quite big hurdles right but it can be done. So I'm saying it can be done. So who are the lenders? Well, the ones that I know about today that are in the market might be Foundation, might be Shawbrook, might be Cambridge and Counties, might be Interbay, but they all have restrictions and there are definitely hurdles for your investor to jump before those institutions will lend. So you've got to do it right. Okay, it's a little bit murky, it's a little bit opaque. You've got to fight your way through. So, I'm working with cash investors who are looking at the possibility somewhere down the line, maybe two years into running their SA unit, that they might be able to refinance and get 75% of their money back out. Okay, so we're going to deal with houses, not flats. Uh, we're going to deal with freeholds. We're going to have the right insurance in place for our investors. We're going to get the right finance in place. It's absolutely key. If they're getting finance, you've got to work with just the lenders that do finance specifically for serviced accommodation. What's next on our list that we have to tick? Planning. We must not set up a serviced accommodation unit that contravenes local planning because the council will get upset and then there's a whole a whole process that could unravel the whole purchase, especially if you're working with lenders and all that sort of thing, and it's a problem, okay? 
If you are working in rent-to-rent serviced accommodation, listen very carefully because this will apply to you in particular, right? If you're one of my investors, don't worry, I've got this sorted. Okay, so if we are buying a house and we are using the whole house for serviced accommodation, usually, but not always, usually it's okay that you occupy the residential house on an SA basis because it is classified as C3 residential use. Really, David? Really? Is that what we're doing here? Well, apparently we are because the two or three councils I have personally had interaction with around the UK have taken the view that service accommodation does not change the use of the property. Now, it might change the term under which the property is occupied. What do I mean by that? So you've got a house, we're going to put SA guests in there, they're going to come and go and come and go and come and go. So they might have short stays, unless you can get contractors, and I'm going to come on to that as well. If you've got a family in there, they're going to have a six-month AST and stay forever. But the occupation, the style of occupation, is fundamentally the same. It's the term, the amount of time the people are in the building that's different. And councils I have dealt with absolutely have decided that you can use houses, the whole house, on a C3 basis. So you don't have to worry about planning. What you do have to worry about is talking to your council and getting them to confirm that. And that's, that might be a bit of a struggle, especially in writing. But you've got to have the conversation with them, okay? If you take a house and start letting it each room by the night, that's a different game. I would not advise you to do that. And you don't have to do it. You don't. So as soon as you start letting a house out by the room and remember it's your investor that's going to do this not you if you're packaging you just take your fee and move away but you've got to nurse them through the process if they've not done it before okay so do not let them advertise to rent out the house by the room by individual rooms why because that would fall under c1 planning as i understand it and C1 planning is guest house, hotels, that sort of planning. So you're going to need to make a change of planning. There is no permitted development rights to go from C3 to C1, which means you've got to make a formal application, which may or may not be granted, probably not. But even if it is, then later on, if you want to go back to a residential home, you've got to go back to the council and apply to change planning from C1 back to C3 again. Bit of a palaver, right? So let's not do it. Let's not get involved because always in the back of my head, and it's something that I cover off with investors who are looking for SA units, at some point we don't know, who knows, I don't know, but at some point there's a possibility that service accommodation use may get regulated. It may. It's like the Wild West out there in a minute, right? Uh, But it may get regulated. We may have to stop the occupation of that property on an SA basis. What do you do then? You go back to the single let use. So uh, then we're going to have tenants on an AST, right, going forward. That means that your income becomes rent and your income drops to the rental value for a single let. So the gross yields are well down and uh, you've got a hopefully great property that you've invested in that's going to grow over time, but you're going to be back to, depending where you are in the country, five, six, seven, eight percent gross yields Uh, and that's very different to the sort of yields I'm going to be talking about for SA usage so let's party while the party's on let's get involved and earn as much money as we can while we're allowed to do it and if we have to adjust going forward I'm cool with that 
and I make sure that my investors are completely briefed. Okay, so we have dealt so far. The type of property we're going, houses, not flats. We're talking about getting the right insurance. We're talking about getting the right finance. We talked about planning. Where are we going now? We're going to capital allowances. HMRC will approve capital allowances for commercial buildings. Now, two or three things here. I don't want this to become a deep dive session on capital allowances. I don't. We haven't got time and I haven't got the expertise, right? I don't know enough about capital allowances to tell you what you need to know about capital allowances. But I do know that if you can get them out of the building, then that's really, really cool. So what do I understand capital allowances are? Capital allowances are a tax relief for bits of the building that are not actually the building. So when you buy a commercial building, it only applies to a commercial building. But if you're buying a house for SA, SA counts as a commercial use, so it becomes a commercial building. Stay with me, team. It's going to be great. Okay. What that means is if you're buying a commercial building, you can claim back capital allowances for all the bits that are not the fabric of the building. So we're talking about the electricity, um, fixtures and fittings, the gas, the boilers, the kitchens, the bathrooms even staircases and handrails, doors, everything that's in the building that you can unscrew and take away, right? Pretty much. If you get a professional capital allowance assessor to go in, and they do this all the time, this is not new, this is not flaky, this is not a grey area. Capital allowances have been around for 150 years now, very well established, but we don't come across it as property investors very often because... For a normal house, residential house, which is where most of us work, you know, on an SAT basis, you do not have access to capital allowances. The only way we can talk about it here is if we view the building as a commercial building, a house as a commercial building for commercial use, which is serviced accommodation. Okay, so get a professional capital allowance assessor to come in and have a look and tell you what is possible. Uh, This is the nuclear button for your investors because I'm going to give you a case study later in this uh, episode where basically the purchase price was 140 grand by the time everything was done and dusted but the investor's going to get 30 to 40 grand back against his personal tax as he goes forward so he doesn't get the cash today but it means the next 30 40 grand however much it is at the end uh tax that he's tax bill that he gets he doesn't have to pay that So this is a really, really powerful thing, right? If you're presenting as a deal sourcer to an investor, this is where I find I get their attention fully. You know, they're sitting there with a cup of coffee and a bit of cake saying, well, yes, David, it's a house, and yeah, we're going to have guests, and yeah, that's all right. When I say you put 140 grand in, but you can get 40 grand back out again, you know, if we're blessed, um, suddenly I've got their attention. What does he mean? What's he saying? How does this help the numbers significantly? So capital allowances are something, if you're going to package commercial buildings, right? And in this case, we're talking about service accommodation, which is commercial buildings, you should have on your menu of offers for your investor. Now, there are strict, strict HMRC rules on this. And you've got to know, work with somebody who knows how it works. But there are capital allowances assessors out there. You need to meet one. You need to sit down with them. You need to find out what the potential is on the building that you're looking at before you talk 
to your investor about it and uh, just let them do what they do, right? I mean, I know, you know, once I needed my appendix out, I didn't know how to do it. I let the doctor do it, but um, I needed it had to come out, right? And the, I got the benefit of it being gone. So I could sort of look at it like that. Um, let the professional do the job. Okay. So we know we're looking at houses, not flats. We, we looked at insurance. We looked at finance. We looked at planning. We looked at the nuclear button of capital allowances. You know, all this stuff as a saucer presenting a service accommodation deal to your investor. Where do we go now? Returns. The investor is going to be interested in the returns on the potential purchase on the building and here's the thing about returns this is what i have found in my life right so i've actually done this myself uh so i can talk about my personal evidence having done this in my own portfolio if you've got a house in the north of england somewhere that produces 395 per calendar month on an ast you know a family net to a family 400 pound a month uh, what you can do if you convert that property to SA, your gross income, gross income, will go to £2,400 a month. Wow. Big uplift. I've now got my investors' attention again. Because I've actually done this in my own portfolio. I've seen it. I've lived it. I've got anecdotal stories aplenty from other friends who are using it, service accommodation in their portfolios. Basically, we are getting multi-let returns in a single-let house. And don't forget, I've already told them about the capital allowances nuclear button. So suddenly, from an investor point of view, they're hearing, you know, they get money back on the purchase, maybe, if we get a great CA advisor in. And suddenly, they're not getting £400 a month, they're getting £2,400 a month. Can this be true, David? Can it be true? Yes, it is, because I've had it in my own portfolio. I'm going to give you a case study at the end of this episode. I am. So we know we're going to buy houses, not flats. We're going to look at insurance. We're going to look at finance. We're going to look at planning. We're going to look at capital allowances. We're going to talk about the returns. The returns is the big seller right sit in front of your investor and say you've got a 400 pound a month house and you can uh, you can make him 2400 pound a month he's gonna be interested you're gonna have his attention where are we going now the key thing the most difficult thing in my experience it's just my experience but you know i'm hearing it from friends as well the most difficult thing in serviced accommodation is the management because you are a deal sourcer and packager. You're not going to run these houses for the investor. And investors want hands-free management. They might be living two, 300 miles away. They're not going to want to get the phone calls about people smoking weed in their properties, right? Or whatever else. Whatever else. Wild parties or whatever. That stuff happens. Doesn't happen all the time. But if you're going to get into SA, you're going to come and bump into that stuff, right? Most of 95% of the time... You'll be fine and people are fine, but there's always one, right? So that's what happens. So management is key. And you have to go into this open, open-eyed. open So go out into the forums in your local area, go out into the SA forums, look for people who are managing for other people in the area. If you find 10, 9 out of 10 will let you down. That's my experience. They will. They won't say they're going to let you down up front, obviously but they are going to let you down, right? So you need to be very careful who you are working with. 
Uh, it's really, really important. Uh, you're going to have to kiss a few frogs, as my daughter said. Apparently, she had to kiss a few frogs before she found her prince. I, I'm, I'm not going to ask her how many frogs she kissed. I don't think I need to know that. But that, what I'm saying is, essay management companies are very similar to that, and also they're expensive. So it's expensive to do what they do. If they do it properly, it's not expensive. But finding that one out of 10 that's going to do it properly, checking all the light bulbs, making sure everything's set up. You know, we don't need a tenant type clean. We need a guest type clean. They're very different things. The house is dressed in a particular way day one. Every time a guest leaves, uh, it has to be redressed, you know, to match up how the house looked day one, right? We can't leave it crumpled, lived in, crooked, photos linen all a bit askew and not pillows not plumped you know these people are paying your guests are paying for decent accommodation for a short term right and you've got to be on the game so find yourself an SA manager who can do it for your investment this is where the deal is made or broken the SA management they're expensive they're going to take 20% probably off the top of the uh, uplifted income. So off that 2,400, they're going to take 4,800. Um, oh, forgive me. They're going to take 480. They are. They're going to take 480. That's not counting, you know, if you use OTAs like Booking.com or Airbnb, they will charge you fees as well. 15% normally can be a bit more, can be a bit less, but around 15% plus VAT, right? for getting you the bookings in the first place so <clears throat> that will eat into your eat into your margins right so the net figure is starting to tumble a bit but it's still going to be way ahead of the two three hundred pound a month net that you will get on an ast from a long-term tenant if you want to try and cut your costs where do you go to find corporate lets you're going to have to find direct bookings from local companies, firms, uh, people like that, then you don't have to pay the OTA people. You don't have to pay Booking.com and Airbnb. Just take direct lettings from the corporate lets. Where do you find them? I will share what I've done in my experience in my business. I'm sure there's lots of other ways. If you talk to an SA expert, there's going to be more and more sophisticated ways. However, this works. And for me or for my investors who I'm putting into SA units, this works so what do we do we had a lot of uptake on gumtree now i'm not a big fan of gumtree you know i've never really done a lot of business on gumtree what i am telling you is that you can find companies uh who are looking for longer term but serviced accommodation uh, accommodation uh, on gumtree if you advertise there they will come Something else we have tried and we have had results from it, okay? But here's the thing. None of this stuff works on its own. A bit like all marketing, a bit like deal packaging generally, right? You've got a market. You've got a market for properties and you've got a market for investors, right? If you do all of these things, there's three, four, five things I'm going to get you to do. If you do all of these things, they will come. You will get decent occupancy in your SA units for your investors okay the travel lodge and premier inn local to where your sa unit or your investors sa unit is going to be right 
Monday through Thursday night, they're going to be full of little vans. And all the little vans are going to be full of workmen. And they're all staying in the Travel Lodge Premier Inn, but they'd rather be together living in one of your SA units or your investors' SA units, right? So go around. Uh, they've got, they're all sign written now, those vans. They've got phone numbers on, email addresses. Ring. Ring the bosses. Ring the firms. Ring them up. Tell them what your offer is. You're going to save them money. You're going to give them a home from home uh, so you can have four builders in your SA house for your investor who's bought the SA house. And um, it's going to be much cheaper for the firm than putting them in four rooms in the Premier Inn, right? So you're going to save them money. They will want to hear from you. We have approached construction sites in our SA business where there's big development going on. Uh, the girls went in to see the gaffer, you know, the gaffer in the big porter cabin office type thing. And um, the first couple of times they went in, he wasn't very interested, but they left their flyers and they went in every Friday with some donuts, the magic of donuts, right? Um, and it was week five or six, I can't remember. Week five or six, we got a phone call. Yeah, it took that long. And then suddenly we're getting direct bookings from the contractors who are bringing in uh, builders, electricians, plumbers, whatever it is they need at that point, And they've got to have somewhere for them to live. Theatres, local theatres, talk to your local theatres. So this last Christmas in one of my units, I had a group of four thespians. I did. Uh, they moved in at middle of November. And they stayed, beginning of November, forgive me, 1st of November they moved in. They moved out the third week in January because the four young people were working uh, in the local theatre in the local pantomime. They were acting in the pantomime. Oh, no, they weren't, I hear you say. Oh, yes, they were. And they stayed in my house. There you go. Who'd have thought we'd finish up with thespians working in the panto? Cricket clubs, how about this one? Never expected this one. So last summer, uh, one of the local Lancashire League cricket clubs, there's a very buoyant Lancashire League set up. If you're in Lancashire, there may be in other counties too, I don't know. But one of the Lancashire League clubs put two, their two overseas players into one of my properties for four months over the summer period. How cool is that? I would never have anticipated getting that book in, but if that came through Gumtree, so maybe you'd be interested in that. Okay, so moving on. There's quite a lot of information here. Uh, I don't know if you're getting overload. You might have to listen to it again and again, but if you are going to... I'll do a little recap now. If you're going to package SA units for your investors... Here's the bullet points. You're going to do houses, not flats. You're going to get the insurance right. You've got to get the finance right. You've got to get the planning right. You're going to have to talk to a capital allowances assessor, see if you can get that back out for your investor. The returns are huge. You're going to get multi-let returns instead of single-let tenants. Management, they'll let you down. Make sure you get the management in place. And if you can get direct bookings rather than working through booking or .com or Airbnb, so much the better. We are nowhere near at the end yet, but I'm going to press on. Council tax is something you can talk through with your investor when they are interested. They've shown an indication that they're interested in picking up a, a house that they could experiment on an SA business as opposed to a normal buy-to-let. 
Okay, so here's uh, something else you need to think about. Council tax. If you've got a commercial building, the house is now a commercial building, don't forget, we're going to have commercial finance on that. We're talking to HMRC about it being a commercial building, right? We're going to have, uh, we're going to meet their minimum criteria, HMRC, for occupancy. We're going to seek capital allowances. We're going very commercially now on this residential house. Should we be paying council tax or should we be paying business rates? So I've heard mixed reviews on this, but this is my take on it. Initially, you'll be paying council tax because that's what you do in houses. I would go and talk to the rating department at the um, council and say you want to switch to business rates. right? So that's what your investor should do. You can't do it for them because they have to do it. They have to um, follow the process through. What's the advantage of paying business rates? Because if you've got one house on a... SA basis in one local authority area, you can change to business rates and then you can apply for small business relief, which in effect for that house would bring the bill down to zero. So instead of paying, I don't know, £900 a year, £1,200 a year council tax, you pay zero on business rates. Right, so this is something your investor needs to know about. And if you're a professional packager and sourcer, you need to tell them, that it is potentially available, but you're not doing it. The investor's going to do it. But this is all icing on the cake. I have to say a few paragraphs about rent, rent to rent SA. Rent to rent SA is a uh, very buzzy out there, and a lot of people are doing rent to rent SA. A lot of people are doing it wrong. A lot of people are going to make the pitfalls that some of which I've pointed out in this podcast episode. Right? I do not package rent to rent SA. Why? Because generally, and I am generalising, and you know I love you all, but I'm generalising. Generally, the people who want rent to rent SAs are new to the industry, they're just starting out, they haven't got any money. And love you, squeeze you and all that stuff. But in my deal packaging business, I want to work with people who are a bit more established and they've got cash they have funds available to buy we are not going to rent to rent anything we are going to buy um, and if you're operating SA in someone else's house you know the the sort of criteria that I've been running through is very hard to tick every box so I'm not going to go any further down that road right because uh, this will get a bit my personal angst about Rent to rent SA will come through. I'm going to say I don't deal with it. Uh, I deal with absolutely buying property for SA use. There's nothing wrong with SA use as long as it's done properly. Buying it is where we are. Um, the other issue with rent to rent SA is your margins get squeezed too quickly. So you've got to serve your investor, right? You've got to serve your investor so that they make money. And um, with the rent to rent, SA unit, there's so many margins that people do not include, so many costs that people do not include that the margins get squeezed and um, the bottom line profits are very, very disappointing. And if you if you start to scale a rent-to-rent -rent SA business, then you bump into the um, VAT threshold. And I know about the Tom scheme and all that sort of thing, but it is a palaver. Okay, so I don't touch it. I don't go anywhere near it. Uh, there's not enough time in my life to get involved in rent-to-rent -rent SA. I want to work with proper people who have got money to spend, and those are the investors you should be working for. This is not about SA. 
this episode. This is about packaging SA. So it's deal packages out there. You need people in your life with money, with the funds to move, who want to invest, who you can serve, and who are going to pay your fees. So let's have a look at a little case study, and then I'll just bullet point all the headlines and um, give you a chance to digest all this. Okay, so this is a real deal. One of Dave's real deals. It's going through now. This is where we are. I'll give you the headlines. It's going to be a hundred and forty grand purchase by the time all costs, everything, uplift of uh, cosmetic appearance, everything's in the mix there for a hundred and forty grand. The capital allowance specialist has come in and he predicts that we haven't got the money yet, right? He predicts that the capital allowance is going to be somewhere between thirty-five and forty grand. Wow! So, what does that mean to the investor? It means the investor's going to buy a property, get it all set up and ready to go for SA for 140k. And then he's going to have, let's say 40k against his future tax bill. And even it's against his personal tax bill, even though the company, the property has been bought in a company. Look, I don't argue with it. I just accept what I'm told. Okay, that's how it works. It will be against um, his personal tax bill. So, he's got a net investment of a hundred grand, right? Hasn't got the money now, the the forty grand that's coming back out again. But he knows he's going to get it over time. So he's put one hundred and forty k in. He's going to get forty k capital allowances back out. Got a net cost of the building and everything that's gone with it, hundred grand. He's going to get a thirty k income. It's going to be around thirty thousand pounds a year. So on a hundred grand investment, that is a thirty percent gross yield. You can sell those fellow deal packages all day long. You go to somebody and say, you've got a property with a 30% gross yield um, that's going to be immaculate and it's going to be managed properly and it's going to be straight and legal and safe. You will not have any problem selling those. You won't. And your fee can be adjusted accordingly. So where's your fee level here? So for that particular property, we're going in at eight grand. Uh, if it was a single let, I would do five. If it was a multi-let, we might get 12 to 15, depending on the work that's done. Okay. Um, SA and SA power so to acquire the building, to help the investor acquire the building and provide the power team that get it up and running with all the furniture and everything ready to go day one. I think eight grand is very reasonable. Because don't forget, the investor's got the the building forever, and we just get paid once. So my interest in serviced accommodation is that I can get a decent fee without having to do any more work. I'm still sourcing the property, and I'm introducing a team of people that through my contacts I've been able to put together so that the investor can manifest this wonderful cash-flowing asset that they should keep and love forever. Okay, so we are nearly there, team. Let's go from the top. Just in case you haven't got a chance to write it down, I will say it all again now. If you've written it down, write it down again. Here we go. We're going to work in houses, not flats. We're going to have the right insurance. We're going to have the right finance. We're going to make sure we uh, don't breach any planning regulations. Capital allowances is your nuclear button. That's where you're going to... Get the interest of the investor. He's going to focus on you there. The returns. You're going to get multi-let returns on a single-let house. Management is the key. 
Management is where this can fall over. You need decent SA managers on your patch, in your town, on your streets to make sure this works. Council tax. What do we say to the council? Do we go for business rates? It's something the investor has to consider. And the case study put it all together. It is, um, it's a strategy that offers investors massive uplift, uh, massive returns on their initial investment. And so long as you cut underline everything with the caveat that if at any point the laws change and we have to stop doing SA, they've got to be happy with the single let returns, 7 8% gross instead of 30% uh, that we are likely to get from a single let. So that's it. I've um, bared my soul to you as a packager talking about serving this accommodation. I hope you think about it very carefully and you should add it to your portfolio of offers as a deal packager that you offer to your investors. You've got to put that team together. You have. If I can help you with that, drop me a message and um, just get out there and do it. Find yourself houses that are ripe for SA units. You're going to sell all of them. Thank you for listening. I am David Siegler. See you on the next episode.